back, Team England, the Lions Dead podcast. It's me, Tony, Captain, joined by Chris. Whoop whoop. Hello. And joining us, special guest, heavyweight champion of the world, <laughs> Maddy Chiba. Whoop whoop. <laughs> How are we doing, boys? Thanks for having me on, man. I think I'm going to introduce you like that everywhere we go. <laughs> for like the next 12 months. I think that's just that's how like it's going to be. It's like a WWE entrance. Basically, yeah. If we could just get... Um, maybe Mike Duff or somebody could wear the uh, appropriate ring costume. That would be great. What do you think? I think that's a sick idea. Right. Oh, on the second. Giggling wife. Do one, you. I'm doing a podcast. I'll edit this bit out. You're making me tea, though. I'll have one. Love, y'all. Anyway. So where should we start, Manny? I think it would be... Oh, God, I've got so many questions. I had pure FOMO about world champions. Yeah. I was like, I didn't... Oh, you sure did. Yeah, yeah oh, any, you sure. anybody it who was. didn't go... Go on, tell us about it. it. Tell, it what, what did incredible. you think of the event as a whole? It was, it was incredible. It was actually incredible. So I have to start it off by saying this, right? It is the second best event I have ever been to. Ooh, that's how good it was well nothing's ever going to top the wtc you know so and the, so it was the greatest singles event i've ever attended there you go that rephrase makes it sound a lot better <laughs> but um no yeah i think um the wtc is the best event i've ever attended but i think that's because the level of like camaraderie and stuff like that is on another level because you know you've gone as a team so there's even more like tight-knit people working together every night on lists and um, pairings and stuff like that so i think because you've got the you're always with your team at wtc i really really like uh, that i think you know the community is what the hobby is about so i think that's uh, the sort of wtc is never going to be topped for me but um except for by another wtc you know what i mean so uh, that's that but um it definitely was the best singles event i've ever gone to it felt like WTC for singles. I was going to ask you a question, but I was going to say, is it because, two questions really, Manny, is it because you had such a big chunk of probably a 40k community that you are familiar with and know already, it felt like a bigger team event? And did you do you feel like the standard of player meant that the event meant you were like even more hyped and focused going into game one than you might be for a normal like GT or Super GT kind of thing? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. So I was talking to um, a few people beforehand. Like me, me and Josh spoke about this um, in quite a bit of detail because um, me and Josh went together. Uh, me and Josh went out there together, and I think one thing definitely to say about it is that the level of player was kind of like every round you played was round five of a GT over here. That is intense. And, um, oh, that's a lot. We, yeah, we, I was yeah. to say we have a long-running kind of, as I say, joke, maybe that like, and we, we talked to the Americans about it a bit when we see them at big GTs and WTC and stuff about like their super majors. They might go through three, four, five even games and not see anybody who's a really high-level player until they hit a teammate or something along the way. But in the UK, because it's a smaller community, it's a smaller country. End of day one, game three, and you haven't seen any good players you know you're going to be in for it the next day the next morning yeah yeah but but that's the thing though right because you but you do go to an event knowing that your first two possibly three rounds will be slightly easier and less challenging than the harder ones at the end um whereas for this event it wasn't like that because i mean to go by definition like the world champs of warhammer 
to go, you have to be a champion of your country. You have to have performed exceptionally well at an event back home to get a golden ticket to attend in the first place. And how did so, they? How do you think that team element did that? I mean, they had it on the the Warhammer stream podcast. They had the team scores and thing. Was that a big thing in the background for some people, or was a group of yes, people getting yeah, bound together? Or yeah, that's one thing that um, I was gonna say. Like, as as a team or as a nation for next year, that we should improve on is um, you know we all kind of just like found out where we were the like the couple of days before people booking accommodation last minute and all of that kind of stuff and we kind of just like all went there and just spoke to each other a little bit as we were going and you know just we kind of like everyone from england met when we were there however like the french the french came there as a nation like they came there together they because they have that like the federation the french federation um which is run really really well you know they get loads of support um and it's well funded but they got all their teams together so that they're you know their 40k team knew their als team knew their kill team team and knew their underworld team so they That's all really cool. of the events yeah they they went as like a massive country together and that's one thing that i was like you know we should strive to be like that next year we should get practicing with each other a lot sooner and we should also get in contact with the you know we knew the aos boys a bit but i didn't know um our kill team team at all i didn't really know anyone from the kill team scene and also this sounds like a very classic english thing I just jump in going, it just sounds like a load of British guys going holding up. Oh, yeah, yeah, we are as a nation. Whereas the French come with like tattoos and like a big clan. But that is how it felt. We, I, I think we felt very amateurish as a nation compared to the French. They really came to try hard at this. And, you know, hats off to them. They did insanely well. I mean, I mean, we didn't do too bad. We came, I think we came third overall. It was either fourth overall, third overall. I think we came third overall, and we didn't even have a team for Underworlds. So we didn't even have a team in one of the four events. And we came, like, third. And I was like, imagine if we just, you know, all of us had communicated beforehand and had a look at, you know, who is playing Underworlds at the moment and seen if we could get a team to represent and go, which would have been very, very cool. Um, But yeah, hats off to the French, man. They did exceptionally well. And the US. The US won it all, I think. As a nation, they did the best. Yeah, so, I think from an outsider's perspective, for me, that it's it's very... I don't think it was communicated very well before the event. I don't know if it was different for a player. I don't know if you got a different email saying how the entire structure would work, you know, how the point system worked, like, across the games altogether. For, for me, I, I had absolutely no idea. I was just listening to the guys on the stream talk about certain things and what what qualified you to score so many points, and it was just like, it just didn't make sense at all. I was like, I think yeah. a bit more clearer communication a few months in advance would be a lot better for next year, just so oh, you, know, you yeah, can build sure. that then. Because I think there was, it was it right if if you were the highest placing of your faction, you got more points compared to, compared, compared to say someone who finished higher than you, but they were like the tenth place person in their faction. Ah, things I, like I'm, that as not, well. I'm not so sure about that, but in the rules pack, it said something about what points were earned. Uh, for different things and i know like the top 10 got different points or whatever it was as well like if you won the event you got 10 points for your nation if you came second you got nine points and so on all the way down um 
So I know for like winning the event and podiuming, coming in the top eight, those things got you more points on best overall, on painting, on, you know, best general as well. So yeah. I know about those ones, but I don't know about like the faction ones and things like that. I, I wasn't fully clued up. I didn't fully read into it. And this is what I mean, right? As a team, we didn't kind of look at all of this stuff in depth as a team, which I think, like I say, I think that's something to strive for for next year. Do you think that's partially because lots of people went into it with a singles mentality of I could be the next world champ or the first world champ even? And so maybe where other nations yeah. already have that team set up and they're already running down that, we, we just aren't that at that stage. The, like, the Polish will always say, the, we don't know how you get a WCC team together because you're a group of singles players that spend half the year being the best singles players you can be. Then you start to think about a, a team event like for the second half of the year. The French have their national team set up that is massive and draws literally thousands of people into it. America is now launching its big, huge team set up itself. Is that an aspect of that? Or do you think it is that simplifying it too much? Yeah, no, I, I, I guess it could have been actually, to be honest, because like um, it comes down to one of these things where going into the event, we were all aware that, you know, we have to like change our expectations a little bit for this event. It's going to be a lot harder than any other event you've been to. Um, but I think all of us secretly still thought, oh, you know what, I can win this though. You know, <laughs> so I think everybody did have a little bit of that singles mentality for sure. Like, um, but also like we, ju we just didn't even communicate with any of the other England teams for, you know, like the AOS guys. We only met them on the flight out there and stuff like that. We hadn't had any prior contact and speaking with them and stuff, which, which we should do. I think from there, should we leap into pod? And you can tell oh, us about your, uh, your well, pod and how that the, shaped up. The event, first of all, the, the venue. Oh, my God, guys. The venue was <laughs> awesome. The venue was incredible. So um, I had my flight paid for by the lovely guys from Luxembourg. Um, Very nice. the Luxembourg Open. So I had my flight paid for by those guys. And Nas had his accommodation paid for. Um, but as we all know, accommodation in America is like two queen beds in the same room. So Nas was like, oh, just come and bunk with me kind of thing. Yeah, so I went in and shared with uh, with Nas. So that was a pretty sweet deal. But, guys, that hotel, the Hyatt, where they held the the event, that's where Nas was. And, guys, oh, oh, the hotel was so much nicer than it needed to be. <laughs> like, like the rooms were incredible. And it America's was, just know... crazy, isn't it, for, like, corporate? Yeah. It's just like yeah. any... I, I have been to events over there in these hotels and they're just ridiculous aren't they they're just huge and the conference rooms are enormous yeah like i yeah. It, it felt so weird in there because you went in and it was like the inside was like open plan like you could see the the walkways to the doors of the different rooms at like in a square going up and it was like you could see up like 30 floors and then there were glass lifts going up and down the middle. And I was like, wow, this feel it feels like futuristic, man. <laughs> and I was like, this is incredible. I was like, am I here to play 40K or, or what, man? Like, it was insane. Compared um, to some yeah. of the weird, like, Cadbury's factories and rec centers know, and right? school yeah. halls. I'm thinking of all the weird places we play 40K. I mean, some of the crazy places uh -huh. WTC's taken us. That's But I mean, let's be honest, GW is a big company that has a massive turnover. That's yeah. pretty cool for them to step up and go, look at where we could have our events and like, give it a bit of prestige. It felt like it was going somewhere. Like the the first, you know, like the first thing that comes to mind was like, oh, I'm just used to like sleeping in travel lodges or premier inns, uh, you know, and Airbnbs going to events around the UK. But, um, you know, like seeing that was like, wow, like this could, the, like the game could actually be going somewhere here. 
you know competitive the competitive community could be going somewhere like it's it was really really nice um and like even downstairs the 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 place where they held it it was like there was like the lobby level and then there was like two exhibit levels beneath so it was like underground and it was a massive massive hall the the shop outside was incredible the you know they bought a massive terminator out the front and i thought that was really cool and the narrative guys i want to give a shout out to the narrative the narrative event you're right they had like different pla- like different rooms for different planets and they had like different colors different lighting different smells and stuff in each room that is cool yeah that is cool. yeah to like to like oh, mimic what it would be like on that planet and i was like wow like that is incredible they put in so much effort and i think it was absolutely incredible from gw the event was amazing i would if the tournament wasn't so good i'd want to go back for the narrative bit and yeah a lot of effort went into it so i was like wow jealous a bit about you know the amount of work that's gone into that one incredible but then our event was also like amazing amazing like the it was laid out so well all the terrain was standardized so that's really good there's nothing worse than like turning up to an event and then going ah half the terrain is the terrain you said it was going to be and this half the terrain is just random stuff Did you have the issue that we had at the uk event that they ran where it was you turn up to one table and it was like this orc terrain which was utterly useless and then yeah there was still the orc terrain the orc terrain obviously was slightly different from the rest which is the best just saying. But I think a lot of people like knew that, you know, the orc terrain is a bit different from the rest. Sure. So I think people were a bit, you know, better prepared for it. And I, I quite liked it. I, I liked the, the switch up of, uh, of terrain. You know, I like playing on different terrain sets. Just like I like playing on WTC. It's like a bit of a break from the UKTC. This is also a bit of a break from it. And, you know, it, I think it makes the game a little bit different depending on what terrain you play on. So it's nice to like refreshing break from the UK scene. Interesting. How do you think about the um, the way it was ran, sort of in general? Um, in oh, terms of, it, I mean, the biggest issue that I saw was the the, the clocks. Would, oh yes. Comments on that? Yeah. So the the clock thing, it you know it was advantageous and also not advantageous. Like, for example, um, for for me as a space, chaos space marine player, and for like Eldar players, it was great because. Like, CSM and Eldar, I think, are the two most powerful factions right now. And if you make the right plays with both CSM and Eldar, it's quite hard for, like, other players with weaker factions to try and beat you. You know what I mean? You can just lock someone out of the game by making the right moves. And If you don't make a mistake, it's almost impossible for them to win. Yeah, and by not playing with the clock, it allows you to have you know an extra 20 minutes instead of playing your game in an hour and a half you have you can play like one hour 50 for you know like for your game and know that okay i can take a little bit longer with my decisions to make sure i make the correct ones and it makes it a harder game for my opponent so there was that element to it but i so it was great for me and eldar players and other csm players but um it i, I can imagine it wasn't great for people like Boris and John, who had to play like the shadow round, which was like the fourth round of the day. If the first three rounds have run like half an hour over each, then they're playing, instead of playing till like midnight or 1am, they're now playing till like half two in the morning. So it's not great for the players that have got to go like the whole way and stuff like that. 
did you see any from that side of it that we probably don't see on stream? We don't see in interviews where players are like, oh man, if I wasn't so tired, I wouldn't have done this. Was there some of that at the event or around the event or? Yeah, so um, there was one thing like um, Boris, when um, Boris had to play the shadow round against John, they went into it and they were playing servo schools and like. Yeah, that's Boris great, had, isn't it? Uh, Boris had never played that mission before and stuff like that, and you could just see in his face that he wasn't really there. Like he was there, but he wasn't really there anymore. <laughs> like you could see it on him for like a good wow. ten minutes. He just looked absent, like he was he was asleep, but not asleep. And I was like, wow, it you know, it takes a toll. The amount of time that they've been playing for takes a toll. However. The not playing with the clocks was, I don't know, I felt maybe a little bit unfair for other players, like, say, um, World Eaters. World Eaters really benefit from, you know, like, this aggressive play style going into challenging sections of the board, challenging your opponent's section of the board and stuff like that, and, you know, really putting the pressure on and then going, right, come and make choices, come and make tough choices. Now, normally, if you, you know, you've only got an hour and a half each, then your opponent has to think quick, like, okay, he's just hit me with like five different threats. What am I going to do? Which ones am I going to deal with now? And then they've got to make a snap call and go with it. However, here, like a Eldar player or a CSM player could have gone, okay, let me just take five, ten minutes and think about this. What is the right way that I can deal with these threats that they've hit me with? So, you know, it kind of takes away from those kind of world eaters armies where everything's in the open like they don't really have anything hidden you kind of know it, what they do and they're not really very tricksy like their tricks are just open in front of you kind of thing you know what i mean so i don't know it was kind of 50 50 on the clocks but it was nice to see games go to like natural conclusions like no one losing because they didn't finish their game or anything like that but i think also it, it does take away from the tactical element a little bit um and also it's very hard for the people that got to play late <laughs> I felt like we saw a bit of that when GW did their um, the BGT in Manchester. Um, oh yeah, Warhammer Fest. Yeah, Warhammer Fest had had elements of that where they they allowed games to play out. But I don't like you say it's just because it was the the shadow round, the extra bits, the extra games. It never it didn't seem to matter much that like that one game finished half an hour later or that one game finished ten minutes later. This just seemed yeah. to really cause issues with the shadow rounds and things. Do you think that the shadow rounds and things were a good inclusion or not? Well, personally, actually, I think no. Um, I thought the double elimination was a little bit weird. Like, um, yeah, okay, yeah. Because the pods were so stacked. Like, oh, that's that's a nice, easily uh, moving way to get into the pod section. <laughs> the um, I thought the pods were very, very stacked, and it's really interesting that there were so many, like six or seven players in each pod that could win the pod. I thought that was incredible. Um, but I think because of that, they should have let two people out the pod. And we spoke about this quite a lot because we were speaking to the AOS lads and theirs was like that. But that's because they, you know, they only had 88 players. Like I think on our side was 176 or something like that. So we had like eight pods of 22, whereas the Age of Sigmar lads, they had four pods of 22. So to make the top eight, they let the top two through from each pod. And I was thinking instead of having the double elimination, because that was a potential, like, five or six extra games once yeah. you made the top eight. I thought it would have been better to let the top two from each pod through so you have a top 16 and then just play knockouts. Like, so then it's only four rounds after that. Eight, even, four, two, one. Even top four, for me, you know, like, 
because like you say the pods are so stacked and it gives people opportunity they're not just going there and thinking like i'm out of this straight away like top four it's still only five games to to win yeah yeah i think i think top two would have been better because it would have let the like the x and o person through and the highest placing x and one and then and just because the level of play there was incredible so many top top tier players there it would have been incredible to see more people in the top 16 rather than the same people playing each other i mean i mean don't get me wrong me and John had three incredible games. I played John, spoiler alert, three times, and all the games were absolutely awesome. Down to the wire, very, very good games. But I think, you know, like as a viewer, as a spectator, you'd probably wanted to see three different people take on three different people. You know, like not the same people playing again and again in the double eliminations. I mean, that's fair. I, mean, yeah, I think, I think the guys the watched game. John play about five different games in total. Uh, <laughs> so it was just it was the John show. Uh, <laughs> well, as, as we're recording this, we're already seeing the list of starts coming for the next uh, big GT, and it seems to be a John Lennon-inspired Space Marine Fest for virtually anything that's got Space Marines in it, which is... Uh, oh, that's so- awesome. But that's awesome. Yeah. That's one thing I did want to say. When, yeah. when I was playing against John... The way he was, because I think John's really good at narrating his, you know, his turn. And he says absolutely everything he's going to do. And, you know, the way he was playing and the way he was moving his army around, I was like, you know what? That army seems like so much fun to use. Like, it's an awesome army, but it seems like so much fun to, I mean, teleporting Centurions. How cool is that, man? When's the last time we actually saw Centurions on the board, you know? I... Yeah, the Centurions... I thought that was awesome. The Centurions were, are probably one of the best units in the book, aren't they? For the rerolls, the reroll wounds, all the buffs they can do, they need that detachment to work. Because otherwise, they're just a big, slow, dump yes. truck of a gun line unit. But um, but it is cool that they have that detachment, you yeah, know? I is, think it, it opens up a different area of the Codex, which is which is wicked. Well, I don't want to hear about John Lennon. I want to hear about Manny Chima. I, yeah. <laughs> I want to hear about your run, dude. So I want to tell oh, me about... you want to hear about my run. So how was your group? Yeah. How, would, did you, how did you find your group? Was it the the death group that you thought it was going to be? Did you find it a bit easier? Did you find that the list was maybe doing work for you and getting you out of the group? That people hadn't I mean, yes, for very it, or... much so. Very much so. Both of those things. I think the pod was a death pod. I think it was probably probably the second hardest pod, yeah, I think that's uh, in fair. my opinion, in terms of player after pod eight. I think it was the second hardest pod, probably. Um, however, I did feel that I had a slight list advantage over the other top players in the pod. Um, my list was a very, very powerful list, um, except for Gonyo. <laughs> I think everybody in my pod was praying for me to hit Gonyo, and I was sat there going, please not Gonyo, please not Gonyo, please not Gonyo. <laughs> what was Gonyo like, running that was so bad for you, man? Eh? So Gonyo was running Tau, and okay. he was running 50 Breachers. When you've got a lot of accursed cultists with, like, not great saves, a load of Breachers is not what you want to see on the other side of the table. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, but round one, and super, super cool, right? I played Alex Matheson representing, guess what country, guys? Go on. South Korea. Yeah, man. Yeah, I played someone from South Korea round one. I thought that was awesome. I think you'd you'd never get that opportunity anywhere else, right? Exactly. And that's one of the things I found so great about this event. You know, I played um, someone from France, Australia, USA, South Korea, you know, like so many players from around the world. I thought that was great. So, yeah, I mean, Alex was using um, Custodes. 
um, and they were they were, looked really cool. He had a really nicely painted uh, custodies army. Um, however, it was a little weak into you know the current meta. It didn't really stand up to CSM uh, so well. And there was a key point in the game where he kind of came out with his whole army at one unit of legionaries that I'd changed to objectives. So I think. What was what was quite good that he noticed is I was going to stay pretty static. I put one unit of legionaries cleansing two objectives in the middle of the board, and I used my nerglings to get deploy. Um, no, sorry, it was a rhino turn one. It was a rhino to get deploy, and then a unit of five legionaries. And once I did that, I was like, you know, I, I, this is the plan. I'm going to try and do this for five turns and not really engage as as little as possible and just keep getting my secondaries um and alex was in the position where you know he'd taken um tactical so his might be a little bit unreliable on what he scores on his secondary so he's got to come and fight me for primaries now he realized that early and his thinking was that you know if i charge with everything and get my whole custodies army in the middle you probably can't kill it all um and i was like i'm not sure about that the you know the hitting power of the csm is a lot like if i use the advance and charge um you know on all three accursed at the same time they're all gonna hit very hard um but you know he took his chance and he bought his um his whole army out essentially but yeah then he ended up losing the trade-off the attrition war in combat because there's just so many cultists and one thing we found is although custodies are good at holding objectives when a cursed cultist charged them and killed two or three of them and don't lose very many back in return the cultists start out OCing the custody bricks on objectives. That was the big takeaway from that game. The bricks don't look that durable. You think five plus invuln, six plus three on a pay, and I'm going to get through them. But actually, they just stay, don't they? They just stick around. They grow back in there. Both players command phases. They're so hard yeah. to get through. Yeah, they are. It's the it's the T four as well. Them being T four instead yeah, of T three, yeah. it's harder to wound them. Then you know five of Pimvan is like a third of all the damage going away. Then the six of feel no pain. Then three models come back in my command phase. Three models come back in your command phase. By the next time you're hitting them, six models have come back, and it's like uh, it's they're just a little bit too cheap for what they do, shall we say? Yeah, and they shouldn't be OC two. Like <laughs> that's uh, that's massive. Them being OC two is. Uh, pretty insane they yeah. yeah they should just be oc1 they shouldn't be able to oc6 on an objective in a command phase that's a little bit too powerful yeah having played against them i agree with all of the comments you have made <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so that one was that one swung your way yeah and then um in round two i played a lad called Jaden, uh Jaden iwasa and his chaos knights and my god was his army beautiful they were all converted they were all painted super nicely. There was freehand all over the night. And I believe he got second best painted overall in the entire event. And that is some going, because I heard there was a lot of competition here. I think Boris, yeah, uh, I think I heard Boris talk paint. about it. Yeah. And his, yeah, I, his was amazing. You look at Boris's army, like, that is, that's winning best painted at like, pretty much every UKTC event. It's like incredible. Goes to this event, and it's like he made the top cut, but then was the bottom third i think the man yeah. flew a display board to america people yeah. i don't know how much that cost him but like that is just crazy yeah. yeah but but boris like he said himself on the you know on the um the podcast the fireside podcast 
Um, it was yeah. a really good episode as well, by the way, guys. You know, like if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. Uh, it's boring. Oh, uh, I suppose we're we're video. allowed to give plugs for other people involved in the Igwin setup. Oh, <laughs> shout out to Ignite. <laughs> uh... No, it's Boris. It's Boris, you know, it's Boris talking about his experience, guys. Yeah, it's really England good. prospect. <laughs> and um, no, yeah, but he even said himself that he made that top. You know, the armies on display going for best painted, but he felt like he was in the bottom third of the armies on display and that's with his display board and everything and his army looks beautiful you know and he felt he was in the bottom third of the best painted armies um and this J uh, Jaden came second overall in painting uh, i think yeah his army was phenomenal um however it was chaos knights which you know is a good matchup for csm um and this is this is a matchup i was really looking forward to actually because i played chaos knights before um when i played against josh at lgt now i got really really lucky against josh to win that game but it was a bad matchup for my army because i had two you, forge you didn't fiends. have the chosen yeah. then did you no i had two forge fiends and abaddon on yeah. his own not even in a squad that's it and after that it was loads of chaff cultists and this was the kind of army that i was really scared of back then but putting the three rhinos with the chosen in instead of abaddon and his cultists it makes it such a big difference. And I thought that swung it from a bad matchup to actually a good one, not just a 50-50 one. And so it was really good to get that game in and see if it actually worked on the table. And yeah, it was it was quite heavily CSM favored, that game. Yeah, I can see that. Played yeah. that match. It's, it's, they're really good. So we got past the death round because rounds one and two guys were the death rounds, especially round yeah. two. Yeah. A lot of people knocked out, right? Yeah, yeah a lot of people you must have seen losing big games as well. Yeah, I was looking around like um, Josh lost round two to John Lennon, I think. And then um, Liam Vissel lost to Quinton. Uh, Nick Nanavati lost to Boris. And, you know, so many. I mean, I think Brian lost as well. Petford had lost by then. And also... Just and Innes lost as well then? And uh, Nass as well. Oh, Nass had lost. Innes had lost. Yeah, like literally everyone was just <laughs> dropping... Like, for like, the number of top players you were hearing about that got knocked out in the first two rounds, I was like, wow. Like, we thought this was going to be the toughest event that there was to win, and we're being proven exactly right. It was insane. The next game, I don't have much to say about the next game. <laughs> what was the so next This one? is the game I was praying not to play. Ah. And the game that everyone was praying I had to play, <laughs> I played Gonyo, Andrew Gonyo, first thing on saturday morning and it was funny because andrew is a lovely guy so nice to play on tabletop so so nice to play his army was savage but also it looked beautiful so andrew's army i think looked a bit better than boris's now boris knows i love his army his army's phenomenal and he paints very That's very fighting well. talk money Yes, and I think <laughs> Gonyo's did actually look better than Forrest's. Gonyo put in so, so much effort. Shout out to Ignite, year. boys. Shout out to Ignite. There we go. Yeah, it wasn't as good. Savage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but no, yeah, Gonyo's army was phenomenal. I thought he was also... Him and Boris had this joke every round where they were coming up to each other asking if they'd lost yet. Um, because they both recognized that we're both trying to go for best general, you know, two top tier players with amazing armies. And the funny thing happened, I mean, I think Boris put it in the best way possible to put it on his podcast, actually. And he said, this was a terrible matchup for Manny. The one that the one that he didn't want to play in the pods, but he did the most Manny thing possible. 
And I think I did do the most Manny thing possible. So this was, ex like I say, an insanely bad matchup. I should lose this game if it's a normal mission. But that's where I got lucky, you see, is it wasn't a normal mission. This mission was the one where your home objectives don't count for any primary points at all. Only the objectives in no man's land count for points. And then they start disappearing. Oh, the Alpha Omega. Oh, God. Yes, this was Alpha Omega. And I looked at, jo I looked at Gonyo and I was like, bro, this is a bad matchup for me. And he was like, yeah, I agree. He was like, it's a good matchup. And I was like, but I think the mission, if rolled well, the mission could tip it in my favor slightly. And Kanye was like, I also agree with that as well. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm going to take the Manny chance here. And I stacked all three of my rhinos to the bottom right. And I looked at Kanye and I went, bro, roll the dice. Because I think this objective is going to be the one that stays at the end of the game. <laughs> and I looked at Kanye and he rolled the first dice and he rolled a one which was the top left. And I was like, cool. So, cause we were like one, two, three, four, five, six. Let's see which one disappears first. And he rolled a one. So I was like, okay, so that top left one where I've put nothing, that one's disappearing first. Cool. And then I was like, now roll one more dice gun, yo. If you roll a four, five or six, then this objective where I put my whole army, that's going to be the one that stays at the end. And he rolled a six. And I was like, oh my God, we are in with a shot here. Classic money. Yeah, so and you just played everything. super defensive or... You just yeah, held the objectives you needed to, and that was yeah. it. Didn't yeah, score any primary, I'm assuming, on the other side. side. No, yeah, I stacked my entire side towards that objective. Yeah. And then I just kept, I kept trying to just deny the ones that he was going for. And then they started, as my resources started running out, hit those objectives started going away. So then I was like, okay, now I can just sit, like, the chunk of my army on the one that's going to stay at the end. Hey, so Manny does many so things. Manny takes yeah, the man. worst matchup in the tournament and goes, Hey, bro, it wasn't that bad. Oh, it's not great. <laughs> oh, heartbreaker for Gonyo. But it sounds like you had a great game against him, though. Yes. Yeah, it was a very, very good game. So where and did that lead it to, Manny? Who was next? So next was Brian. Brian Doherty. And his World Eaters army was very, very cool. He's he's the one who has inspired me to get my World Eaters account. Um, I really liked his list. I thought they were very, very cool. And um, he he had just beaten David Gaylord. So he was undefeated in the Thanks, pod Cal. as well. Yeah, he just beaten Dave. And I was like, okay, so he's he's really good. Brian is really good. And I was like, you know, I've got to go into this. I know it's a good matchup because, you know, World Eaters versus Chaos Space Marines is a good matchup for Chaos Space Marines. Um, especially my version where I have just as much combat as they do. But I also have, you know, a Nurgle unit of Accursed, which is a 21-man unit that doesn't do anything in that game. So I've got one unit. I can put in a line across the front of my deployment zone and go... Even if you're eight bound move and hit turn one, they're hitting some cultists that aren't very good in this matchup. So that's the advantage that I've got in that game. However, I was like, okay, he's a very, very good player. He's undefeated. He's beaten three top class players already. So, you know, take, just take it as it comes. Um, but again, in this one, I went with, I went with fixed. However, because I played that game before, I actually went with deploy and no, sorry. I think it was cleanse. One of the two is either deploy or cleanse, and I did it with assassinate because he had a lot of characters. I think he had like six characters, and um, from experience, a lot of the um, world eaters characters don't really join squads, and that's exactly what he did. You know, he had the Lord Invocatus not joining a squad, and the Juggerlord not joining a squad, and then there was also Angron, and I was like, okay, there's quite a few uh, assassinate points up for grabs here, but. Um, 
it was that front screen. That front screen was just really tough for him to kill, and he had to put a good amount of resources into that, meaning that he actually got hit back pretty hard. So he lost a lot of his resources while dealing with my, you know, chaff that I didn't really need in that game. And also rhinos are a big problem for world eaters because they're, you know, they can't really open a rhino in the shooting they've phase. Got, they've got, got, a, they've they've got, got to charge you, don't they? And that's just yeah, bad. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a bad matchup for the world eaters. And you know, I went with the the secondaries that were going to help me the most in that game and managed to get the win. And then we moved on to the final game of the pod. Now, I was in a little bit of an advantageous situation going into the last uh, game in the pod of even if I lost this game, there was still a fairly decent chance I would progress to the next round um, because I played Anthony, but Anthony had just lost to Dave. So Brian had beaten David Gaylord, but then I had beaten Brian and in the same round that David Gaylord had just beaten Anthony Vanilla. Oh, so it just was. He just gave you that opportunity. He didn't need to smash yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I was the only undefeated at this point, and I was like, okay, so even a draw would just guarantee that I'm through. So I had that slight advantage, um, and for that reason, I chose not to go with assassinating this one and play a bit more of a defensive game, and you know, put the pressure on Anthony to come and get me. Um, and this game was a lot closer. So this game ended 93-81. So it's only like a 12-point win, but that is because in the final turn. I got to go second, and my my legionary squad advanced 11 inches. So they, you know, advanced to the center of the board, and they deployed and got me, like, storm hostile objective or something of that kind. No, not storm hostile objective. Area denial, was it? Deploying. Storm where you to be in the middle? No, no. Because I, no, because I was, ta I was um, fixed. You were fixed. They did something that flipped the points. I can't remember what it was. Oh, sorry. It might have been the mission where you score at the primaries end. at the end of the game or something oh, like yeah. that. Primary targets. Yeah, they, they did something. and uh, Or it was because I was going second, so I scored primary at the end of the game. It was something along those lines where they got me deploy, a rhino got me cleanse, and then they were, you know, like, both on objectives. It literally came down to the wire of, I had five legionaries and two empty rhinos. That's what I had left on the board. And Anthony had just Angron. That's how much of a bloodbath this game was. Incredible. Yeah, that is that we is a lot of shit. Absolutely destroyed. So. Yeah. We absolutely destroyed each other. One of my favorite games. So so close. And that got me out of the pod stage. And there begins the great journey to World Champion. <laughs> so where did that take you? Next game? Straight out of that. So I played against um Lugo um from uh Team France. Yes. And his Eldari on the stream. That was on the um, French stream, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and that, that one at the start was looking really shaky. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, he's a fantastic player. I was lucky enough to not play any Eldar so far in the event. Um, first event in like 10 events where me and David Gaylord actually didn't play each other. <laughs> so I played against um, Ludo, and he did a really cool play turn one where, and you know, he got a little bit lucky, but. It was something weird, like a Star Weaver, five Hawks and five Spiders, pretty much entirely wiped out an Accursed Cultist Brick. So much so that when I wow. decided to move him in my turn, the Overwatch from the Spiders actually did kill the entire squad. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's completely normal and happens every game. Yeah, so it's like the math of it, like five Hawks, 
a Star Weaver transport and 10 spiders, wiped out an entire Accursed Brick, pretty much. Um, but then my Legionaries decided to be absolute heroes, and um, my Legionaries advanced a six. So they jumped out the front of the Rhino, and then I was like, right, I need a big advance. I'm hoping for like a three or a four. Got a six. I was like, okay, now we're on. I need like a seven-inch charge on the Hawks. Um, tried the charge, rolled an 11. So it meant that I caught the Hawks and the Spiders oh, that had just kissed the, yeah, the yeah. Brick, and I killed both. And I was like, wow, so I've killed Ooh. your only Hawk unit and your only Spider unit with these legendary Legionaries. And um, that was the majority of his anti-infantry gone. So because he couldn't keep the, although they did a lot of heavy lifting turn one, and keep them safe for the future turns i just ended up like taking all the objectives away from him and then he couldn't really catch me on the primary unfortunately unfortunately yeah, this, i bet you were heartbroken for him <laughs> <laughs> so another close um, but game that just worked out in your favor at this point are you starting to think it's on are you starting to feel the energy or are you still a bit too it's too far away oh no i mean it was it was still still far away but what was in my mind was if I can make it through the next two games, then I don't have to play two games. And that that's what was going through my mind, because, you know, it it is a lot of games that you play. And I was just thinking about it going, we, I've already played like six rounds now. Um, the, you know, the lowest volume of games that I can play, the sharper I will be in these in these last few rounds. So I was hoping to not have to play too, too many games. So I was like, if... Basically, the way it worked is if you won round seven and eight, at the end of the day, you would be the only undefeated player. Then there's a shadow round after, you know, that eighth game. There's a shadow round where the, you know, the people who were coming up through the losers bracket play each other. And then on Sunday morning, there's another round uh, 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 with the guy that wins that death match. And he plays off against the person that the undefeated player beats at the end of day one. And then they, whoever wins that comes and plays the, uh, the winner in the final. So I was like, I will get to miss the shadow round and the morning round. I'll get a line in the morning and then potentially only have to play one final game. And that's, you know, that's what really was driving me. I was like, okay, if we can, you know, just, you know, hold it together, use all your brain power in these next two rounds, and don't think about having to play a shadow round, basically. Um, and then I played my first of three games against John Lennon. And again, that was an absolutely fantastic game. I love John's list. Like I was saying, it's, you know, it's, it looked like it was so much fun to play, but also it was powerful. And, you know, I got the full taste of that in, in, in like, the first turn. I tiptoed an accursed unit out onto, like, an objective or something or into a position where they could advance well the following turn. And John looked at them with the sense and just went, take them off, Manny. Just remove them. They're all dead. <laughs> and, yeah, and he just removed an entire accursed brick with, with six centurions. And I was like, hmm, you've done that while also killing a rhino at the same time with Laz Cannons. Uh... Yes, this is going to be a very, very tough game. <laughs> and it was like, I really, straight away after that, was like, wow, those Centurions need some respecting. They need, do need some uh, respecting. Um, this game, you know, it had like an an unfortunate ending. Um, and, you know, uh, the scores got reversed a little bit so that it was a 60-68-60 to me. Um, and, you know, I, I was just informed that I was playing in the next round. So John actually ended up beating me 
uh, by two points. And, and the refs came over and they were like, ah, jo uh, you know, there was something played incorrectly. So you're actually going to go through to the winner's bracket rather than the loser's bracket. And I was already at my next table at a loser's table, um, a loser's bracket table, go, uh, you know, going for the next round, expecting to then have to play in the shadow round when I got told, oh, you're playing Lockie now. Um, so I was like, oh, oh, OK, cool. Like I was I was shocked, but also like, uh, OK, wh where do I go to play the next game? So I just rushed off into yeah. my next game. Just in the and, zone. Um, yeah. yeah, just in the zone. And then I was like, okay, I'm back in that situation where if I just win this next one against Lucky, I will get to dodge two games again. So the, the mind state was back into that. Okay, we might not have to play 12 rounds. Um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic game against John. Got nothing bad to say about the game, about John either. And, I, you know, congratulations uh, to John for finishing second at the event. And... He was really sporting, like really, really sporting. Do you know what? I think you, you can. I think that you can see that he feels the same way about the games in his. He's done uh, as we record this. He's done the recent video with Heart of War to talk about his World Championship event, and how he thinks it went. And I think that there's there's lots of respect for both of you. I think you can see that in the games where, as we were talking just before we came on to the to record, you both articulate what you're going to do and how you play in the game. But it, they genuinely. There aren't very many games of 40k that I've ever watched the full stream where I can't turn it off. And then I've actually gone to my wife after and gone, oh my God, this has happened. This person's just done this. Oh, this person's... Do you understand the chances of this happening? Like, it was such a such a great set of games to watch. I think all those those games are some of the best stream games of 40k I have, I can think of, in yeah. all honesty. Uh, especially at the top end... Just the second game was the one. The second, yeah, the second, second game, game was, was, was classic as well. Um, but yeah, the second game was incredible. Incredible. So you went on to... Well, we'll come back to that, because you went on to play Lockie. Yeah, I went, I went on to play um, went on to play Lockie after that, and this game... This game came right down to the wire. So Lockie had the other version of CSM. So again, I had the pleasure of not being able to... Not, uh, not having to play CSM right up until this round eight. Didn't have to play any... CSM mirror matches, but then I hit this bit and I was like, okay, I know that in the CSM game, that version of the list has a slight advantage over mine. You know, they've got these obliterator units and a second forge fiend that are actually very good at killing accursed cultists. So I was like, there's going to need to be one or two moments in this game where I hardcore go out to um, deny his primaries. And I was like, that's the way that I'm maybe going to win this game, is denying the primaries. Um, and that, so that's what I aimed for. I aimed to play the game and use my resources early to deny his primaries, because I was like, whether I use my resources early or later on, um, they're going to get whittled down, because he actually has, like, the Blitz have got blast profiles, the Forge Fiends have got three blast guns each, and he's got two units of each of those things. And I was like, I'm going to be running out of resources whether I expend them to drop his points or not. So it's better to drop his points as I go rather than at the end. And it, uh, it literally came down to the wire. I know on um, I know on BCP it says 84.74. It says the result was 84.74, yeah. but it actually wasn't. I think that's because... Um, we forgot to just enter our score, I think. So the judges, they just put a random one in because at that point, your scores don't matter. Yeah. One of you is playing in Sunday morning and one of you doesn't have to play till Sunday lunchtime. So I think they put the 84-74 in. But the game, I believe, was like 77-74. It came down to, could I kill Lockie's Lord from his chosen squad to get an assassinate? 
to get 77. And if I hadn't, then Loki would have won 74-73. But because I managed to kill the Lord, I won 77-74. It was that close of a game. And and that was it then. I was through to lunchtime Sunday. <laughs> so we got uh, we got away with it. We're not going to have to play another two games. You know, we're going to be well rested. Did you um, stick around to watch the other two games? I was Did about you... to say, or so I thought. Oh, okay. But then it turned out that Boris... Uh, won his game actually mm. um in the uh the round the like the bracket that was just after the one where everyone lost one game mm. so it was the people that lost one game playing to see if they could stay alive essentially in the double elimination and he won his game so he was going to play against john against john lennon and like i said john lennon's army was really interesting so i wanted to see if i could p- pick up on any more of John's, you know, like tricks that he can do and stuff like that, and different ways that he might play the game to how he did against me. So I wanted to watch that, but then also I wanted to cheer Boris on as well. So I actually did stay for the whole of it oh until the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was kind of crazy staying to the end of that. And it went all the way as well. And um, John managed to get the win there. Um, I just want to say a massive congrats to Boris, though. He got best overall, man. He yeah, came yeah. fourth in the in the standings, and he had incredible pain. He got best overall, so that was. I, I know that that's what he wanted, and that's what he went out there for. That was his main goal. So I'm I'm chuffed a bits for him that he got that. So and that then, yeah, leads so us, game, yeah, straight into yeah. the big games, buddy. Yeah, that that led us to you know the game in the morning where it was so because Lockie's only loss was to me. Yeah. So Lockie was undefeated, and me and Lockie were in a good position when we played because we were like, right, because we're the only two undefeated going into that round eight, we both don't have to play the death match, which was the one played by John, uh, John and Boris. That was after round eight because we were like, okay, so whoever loses out of me and Lockie plays the winner of Boris and John in the morning, and the winner of that game plays the un- undefeated player. Yeah. So because I was the only person to beat Lockie, Lockie gets to play the winner of John and Boris. So in the morning, it was John versus Lockie. And <laughs> they had a fantastic game from what I hear. I yeah. actually had my lion. I was like, you know what? I'm going to rest. I was up till like two with John and, and, and Boris watching their game. Um, but I'm not going to get up at eight like they have to. <laughs> so, I mean, John, absolute soldier, slept at like 3 a.m. after his game with Boris and then was playing at eight again in the morning against Lockie. That was, you know, trooper moves. See, that that feels to me crazy. That, that I mean, maybe GW will change it for next time, but that just feels like a crazy system to run down with the shadow rounds and making some players till so three in the morning and get up again for eight. It's like, it's great to watch as a fan, watching it at home, but to be there it must be knackering to play it. Yeah, yeah, very, very tiring. But, I mean, John, it's crazy how John did it. He was just so full of energy the entire way through the event. The guy is just pure forty k pep. Sometimes, honestly, he bounces, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, it was awesome to see, to be fair. Um, and he overcame Lucky. Yeah, he beat Lucky to make it back to me in the finals, um, which is incredible. And even in those games, he was so energetic. He was yeah. just full of energy. And I was like, man, he feels more full of energy than I am. And I had two games off. And he was, you know, he was just going for it. He was focused. He was ready. And it was it, it was great. You know, like the, that second game we played. So, spoiler alert, guys, we played three games. We did, have, we did play again uh, for the final bit. But that second game was incredible. It was such a, such a good game the whole way through. 
Um, he's just a fantastic sport as well. Lovely guy to play. And he was very, very good the entire way through. I couldn't see any, like, mistakes that I could um, pick up on and push the primary differential. Because the way that my list works, of course, is by denying primaries. So I went into the game with the same mentality. I was like, right, I'm going to deny John's primaries as we go through this. And hopefully towards the end, like I know he's going to get 15 at the end. But can I drop his points primary wise enough in the game so that that primary hit at the end doesn't tip him into the win? Mm -hmm. yeah. And the answer was yes. I expanded. I expended all of my resources, knocked his primary so that he couldn't get the maximum primary by the end of the game. However, the stars aligned. John played it perfectly. The stars aligned. Everything that he needed came through. And it was amazing to see, actually. Really amazing. So the both of us sat there. We looked at the board for a minute and we went, okay. Like, this was after my turn five had finished. Mm. And we were going into John's turn five, right? And we went, okay. So you're definitely going to get plus 15 on, but you're definitely going to get maximum primary points for that last turn. How far behind does that put you? What was it? 8 plus 64. It put him 13 points behind me. No, I think it was 14. 14 points behind me. Yeah. So we were like, okay, the physical best you can do is a draw. But in the event of a draw, because it's like finals, in the event of a draw, you play an extra battle round, but you only play primary. But of course, my army's been completely wiped out at this point. I use every single resource I have because I'm aiming to win in those five turns. And um, so if the game goes on, John just wins. Because the following primary turn, I would get five and John would get 15. That's just how the board state looked. So this right here was like, okay, the best I can do is a draw, but that would win. So we were like, okay, what can you do? You've already got Big Game Hunter in your hand. Bring it down, is it called? I think it's called now. Yeah. He already had Bring It Down in his hand. And we were like, okay, if you can somehow kill both rhinos, then you get eight points on that. So is there another card left in the deck that can get you six points? And the answer was, there is only one. So Capture Enemy Outpost was discarded by John earlier on in the, in, earlier on in the game. So the only card worth six points or more in that deck was Investigate Signals. And he got it. <laughs> and out of the seven cards he had left, yeah. he drew Investigate Signals. And I was like, wow, that is something, bro. The stars are aligning here. So he got his Investigate Signals. He could auto do that for six points. And we were like, cool, there's your six. Now it's just about killing the rhinos. Kills the first one. There you go. He's four points behind. Can he kill this second rhino? And let me tell you, lads, killing this second rhino, he had to chip some wounds off with a, a solo um, Inceptor. He had to shoot it with Uriel Ventress's Company of Heroes. And then he had to make an 11-inch charge with Ventress's unit on this rhino. He rolls a double six, makes his charge, his 11-inch his his charge. And then he made me take the perfect number of saves for the Rhino to die. And I failed every single save. That, I was going to say, you know, so we had a bit of a viewing gallery that over the course of that game, as things went more and more ridiculous and he just kept getting a little bit lucky needed, more of us got... So eventually there was a group of us watching it going, oh my God, I cannot believe yeah. this has come together. <laughs> and it's like, you just couldn't pass a save. And normally, guys, if you ever get to play Manny at a tournament, he is the luckiest son of a gun out there. Um, as attested to by Andrew Gonyo earlier in the tournament, but that was just so so exciting to watch, and that was the that 
I think that got, we, basically there's a group of, of what 10 12 of us watching as an England watch party yeah. streaming it watching it on the discord um that all jumped in because it was so exciting so hyped up after that first game um how do you feel about the last game following that then because you must have been did you feel really like oh, I can't believe this has happened did you feel down were you nervous were you thrown how did you feel going well, yeah, into no. the final game it was really weird. After this second game, I didn't feel down at all because the way he won the game was incredible. Yeah. That was so incredible. And I, I've said this before to people who have asked, when he rolled that double tw- that double six, right, that 12-inch that charge, the first thing that went through my head was, oh, I've got to play another three, four-hour game now. <laughs> that, that, was, that was the emotion that went through. I was like... Oh, here we go, another game. <laughs> that, that was the only emotion that came to mind. But then I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, dice do happen. And I can't, I was very quick to just think to myself and kind of talk myself through a bit of a monologue and go, look, man, you get so lucky all the time, Manny. So you've got no right to be annoyed at the dice. And I was like, the way he won, phenomenal. He knew exactly what he had to do and all of it just aligned. He made the perfect plays and he got the dice roll he needed. So I was like, that's cool. Fresh late, go away, get a drink, you know, refuel yourself. And, you know, you've got a 20 minute break and then come back and we've got one more game. And this is now the final final, the last game. I um, I feel like the final final, uh, we talked about this as a, as a question that we, before we came on. I it, I feel like the final final game was a scenario with that, whereas the other two had given him a chance to make the games close. The final final may, really showed off how your army was amazing for this mission pack. And I think, combined with a bit of bad luck from some of his roles, I just felt like it was a, it was a little bit anticlimactic. I don't know if that's harsh, Chris. What do you think? Like, watching on? Yeah, I mean, after that second game, it was just absolutely... I don't know if about you, Manny, but it was absolutely gut-wrenching, even just us watching it. Like, I don't know how you felt, but it was just like watching him make that that 11-inch charge just like... <laughs> on a natural oh, boxcar. It was, was crazy. It was so intense. And then the final yeah, yeah. game was, like, as you said, Tony, it was just like, all right, uh, Manny goes first, moves everything up the board. Um, now, literally, from turn one, you could we were all sat there going, there is absolutely no way John can win this game. It's just it's just impossible yeah. because there's like yeah. Manny's going to score 15 primary at least for turn one, and you did for two turns because John sat back and just sort of let you for do three. it. I did it for three, yeah. and that that was it. Like I I when I moved for when I got the first turn roll. So I mean the first thing to note about this terrain, guys, is in the middle of the board, like not not the direct middle, but yeah. if you're playing hammer and anvil, looking at the board hammer and anvil wise, you're like up the middle of the board to the flanks. There were two small squares that were like five inches by five, four inches or something like that, two little rectangle um, of the perspex, right? They were there with um, with these pipes on there, and that was the terrain piece, and they were right over objectives. Like, you could hold objectives from behind them. And I came up to the table and I was like, those aren't obscuring, are they? Because I hadn't played this mission. Because you only play this mission if you make it to the 10th round. Um, so I hadn't practiced this one. Um, so I was like, those aren't obscuring, are they? Those tubes in the middle. And they were like, yes, they are. And at that point, I looked at the board and I was like, Tamron Anvil, I'll hold my one. I'll hold the middle one. And I'll hold both of those flank ones if I go first. And there's only one of John's I need to deny then. The one that's like literally 10 inches from my midboard one. So I can advance and charge on that every turn. And I looked at the board and went, man, if those are obscuring and I go first, the game's almost like over now. And that's kind yeah. of exactly what happened. So... 
I deployed my rhinos in positions where they could get behind those ruins turn one straight away. Um, and then I got the first turn, moved behind those two obscuring uh, pieces with two rhinos, and I put my third rhino in the middle of the board hidden in a ruin as well, where it wasn't going to get centurioned easily. And all of a sudden I was like, I'm on three objectives, uh, two objectives, three objectives with rhinos, and I put the accursed in that middle one as well, off the perspex, so they couldn't get shot. And I was like, I've got three rhinos that are just going to cleanse, cleanse, deploy, cleanse, cleanse, deploy, with my three transports every turn. So I was like, I know I'm going to get like 35 secondary, and I know I'm going to get like 45 to 50 primary. It'd be really unlucky here, or something had to go really horrible for me to not get 50 primary. So the minute that that one went 15 to me, 5 to John, I immediately thought to myself, the next turn, I'm going to get 15 again, and I will just chuck my units out, sacrifice them now to give John another 5. And as soon as that had happened, by the time we started to... So at the end of John's turn 3, which is when he did a big go turn, um, when we started my turn 4, we were like, okay, it's gone 15-5, 15-5, So we were like, starting turn 4, I'm on 45 primaries and John's on 10. Yeah. And we were like, okay, now it's physically impossible to catch. And that's why the game was called at the end of turn three, because we figured out it was literally impossible to catch back up for John at the end of turn three. But his go turn as well, like... Just didn't quite work, did it? Like, the last time he didn't kill a Forge Fiend, he didn't kill the Rhino with, like, enough that he could charge the Chosen. He left a gap because he didn't charge far enough. You're like, ah, he just, none of it came together. Yeah, yeah. The the six-man Inceptor unit failed to kill a Rhino. Uh, think... Which was really something. Then a six-man Centurion unit with Laz Cannons failed to kill the Forge Fiend. Uh, even after shooting Inceptors at it after as well, the Forge Fiend lived on yeah, a wound. Yeah, I, I, And it was I just think... like, uh, falling apart. It, it's a double whammy of it. The mission was an interesting one that they picked or they rolled up or however they did it for that last mission for you guys to play. But also... Yeah. The, the maybe the craziness and skew of the previous two with a battle shock in the first game on the big the big accursed unit yeah and the then the, and then the double six box car straight out the box like twice in a row to get two crazy charges it was just like i suppose following those with another crazy game would have made it just the most ex- ridiculous games of 40k we'd ever seen uh, yeah just, for sure how do you feel about those those games as a whole against John after your event then? Yeah, they, they, they were incredible. I think, you know, he was absolutely incredible to play. He was a great sportsman as well. I want to say congratulations on coming second. Um, and I just want to say it was unlucky, that last mission. Yeah. If it was a mission like one of the first two, we would have no doubt gone right down to the wire again in battle round five, literally rolling the last dice again to see who wins. And I think that would have been so much cooler, but um, unlucky for him on the mission that uh, we drew in in the last round. But I just want to say congrats to him and just thanks for being such a sporting opponent and giving me three of the best games of 40K that I've played this year. And I think that you, like we said, there's lots of other podcasts and uh, content out there about the finals. If you want to go and see the games, we can track those down on the Walk Community Twitch page. It is some great games of 40k to go watch and see how those play out. Um, and he says very much the same thing about those games. Just the highest level played really well. You both had a crack in time. Um, I suppose that's how you want it to be, really, at the top end. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure, man. And the event was really cool. I would recommend more people to try and make it to the event. 
like it, it was actually a very very cool experience um to go out there and i think i genuinely think that i've not heard anything bad about how cool the event was how good the event was and how well it was run and you know being able to play players from all over the world i've just heard good things about about it from literally everyone in attendance so i think the drive for golden tickets is going to be a lot more this year and i think the competition's gonna heat up and oh, it's um, gonna be horrific ukgc yeah, events this year are gonna be the no, biggest no, shark tanks you've ever seen in your yeah, life they said, is, is, it Leic be, coming coming up? is it leicester coming up that's already yeah, i don't got, think like, there's golden tickets crazy. events for this one though oh is it not oh, okay uh, well, I, 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 well, there's not announced anything yet so same, we're already getting loads of manny chima and john lennon uh clone lists going out there but um i think come back to what you say manny more people should try and go because lots of people had a ticket but didn't actually take up on it did they they had tickets yeah, from all yeah. over and just did for whether it's cost or just didn't think it was going to be their their, their jam didn't go yeah i think people were a little bit skeptical because you know it's the first one you mm. never really quite know what to expect and whether it's actually going to be the event that you think it's going to be or advertise or anything like that so i know quite a few you know people gave it a miss because of that but i think those people are now satisfied like I, I know vic for one definitely i spoke to vic and um vic you know he missed this year because you know he had um family stuff but also a little bit skeptical of the you know if it was going to be the way that it was but i think he's he's definitely convinced and uh, wants to join next year which is really cool to see so you know it's things like that like top players are wanting to go now and i think i think the competitive scene is going to get a lot more interesting and cool over the next year be amazing so manny what did you win you're the world champion <laughs> what'd you get for that oh actually i got two really cool prizes two really cool prizes so the first one um which is very very cool actually is that every release for my game system so i'm assuming that's 140k <laughs> that was the game system i went to play <laughs> so every new release for warhammer 40k over the next 12 months I will receive one box off. What? Oh, what? 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 That's amazing. Yeah. That's actually what amazing. Prize. Wow. Yeah, that it's just phenomenal, right? Every every single release for Warhammer 40k, I will get one box off. That is. So does that include awesome. like all the Christmas boxes that are coming out? Like this? I'm not sure. I'm it's I'm like... not sure. That's all that was said, and I was just so over the moon as I was like, what a phenomenal prize. That is. Do you know what? That is one of the first times that GW, if not the first time, have ever gone. You're a champion of a game system or a winner of a tournament. Here is an actual merchandise-based prize. But they used to do those big giant raffles years ago, where you could like apply for your favorite army and you could win it. Do you know what I mean? And you get some random yeah, person yeah. you've never heard of win it. But that is yeah. for what I suppose for what it cost them to do it. It might be a drop in the ocean. But yeah. as a prize to win, that is phenomenal. Yeah, that was absolutely incredible. That's wow. Um, yeah. And then the second prize is even cooler than that prize. Yeah. Now, I didn't know about this prize. I was one of the people that didn't walk around reading the posters, which yeah. I should have. I was just looking at all the cool stuff around and didn't actually read the posters on the walls and stuff. So I thought this next prize was going to be won by Boris. I thought this next prize was for the best overall. Okay. Because it, it was the coolest prize there. And I think, you know, the hardest thing to do is to win best overall. Because to win best yeah. overall, you need to... You, you essentially need to get your army nominated for best painted. 
and also go like seven and one at the event. Yeah, yeah. Right? So because of that, I thought best overall was probably going to win this prize. Well, with your painting However, standard, I could imagine. Yeah, that is, that is fair. <laughs> However, they decided to give it to best general, and the prize was the new Lieutenant Titus model. Now, I don't know if you've seen that, guys. It's yeah. like a three-foot yeah. statue of Lieutenant yeah. Titus. And he's like stepping on, he's like stamping on a gene stealer. It looks very, very cool. Three foot tall. And apparently, the first one, I'm going to get the first one that's made and it's going to be hand painted and sent to me. I which mean, is just, just to go with yeah. the memory of being the first one, dude, of being the first champion yeah. of Warhammer, I think that is uh, fantastic. It's so so cool, and it's gonna you know it's gonna go straight in glass hammer. <laughs> it's gonna yeah, go get straight. It, get in a nice yeah. cabinet locked away. That one, money. I think that's yeah. Uh, it's gonna go in the store. You know, for everyone to see. Yeah, that's it's cool. gonna be very very cool. I'm really really happy about that prize. That that was absolutely. It looks incredible. So much work has gone into it, and I think there's only a thousand of them. There are, there's only gonna be a thousand of them. So to have one of those is definitely incredible. So I got that, and I got the one year of every new release, and I forgot about the third prize. And the what? third prize was also very, very cool, and me and Boris both got this prize. A golden ah, ticket this. already for next year's event. Yeah, that is that is awesome. So you're yeah. actually going to let some people win golden tickets this year, money, yeah? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so, yeah oh, we already are going to next year's event, which is Oh, well, phenomenal. that puts a lot of the stress off, right? That's just like... You're just chilling now. You're just going like. It's oh, really no, cool. Like, you can just take whatever one, you want. That's it, mate. The, the first one is was so good. The first event was so good that I'm just I'm so chuffed already to be going to the next one. That was prize enough in itself, and the other two on top of that is is just phenomenal. The the prizes were incredible. Um, thank you, GW, for such a fantastic event and the awesome prizes as well. I'll be uh, hitting you up with some Necrons money and he so. <laughs> Well, there's only one more thing that we have to talk about, isn't there, Chris? And that yeah, is about one little announcement we need to make, um, yeah. Team England selection news. Um, and so we are in the process of picking the Team England team, as you guys might know, uh, and that's a process that's been ongoing um, since we finished the WTC last summer. We had August to kind of recruit, get our love for 40k back, did our captaincy system set up in September, opened our recruitment. Um, and we've got people playing games and trying hard to show why they will make the top eight players for the team. Um, and we want to announce um, our, our first player for the team is going to be, um, you've already mentioned him a couple of times, Manny, is going to be uh, your colleague Vic VJ, recent oh, winner of the Coventry awesome. GT um, with the Sisters of Battle. He was one of the best performers at last year's WTC and was a big Vic part awesome. in why we did awesome. well. Very calm, level-headed player. Great in our team chats, great in our army composition discussions as well. Um, so he is the first name on the roster. Um, and we, we wanted to do that with you here, Manny. And we wanted to do that with you here because, um, congratulations, you're going to be the second name on the roster for next summer because there's just no way in hell we're going to go to WTC without the world champion of Warhammer <laughs> on the team. Oh, that's awesome. So, See, look at that. That's a fourth prize. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I'm sure that Chris and I, as much as we love the WTC, are going to rank that as the fourth prize. <laughs> it's number one. Uh, what are you talking about? But um, I know that the uh, the World Champs has, has had lots and lots of coverage around it, but I know that you had a great time, dude, and I think you performed in an exemplary fashion. 
and you did yourself proud and you did your nation proud and you're a worthy champion with an innovative list that smashed everybody you came up against. So it would be uh, remiss of us not to put you on the roster first because we need you there, ready to bring the gold back to Team England. No, yeah, thank you so much, guys. That that means a lot. You know, it's, um, as I said at the start of this video, that is my favourite event of the year, the WTC. It is um, the event that I look forward to all year round. So, and I've always, um, you know, felt proud to represent uh, England at the at the WTC. So, really, really made up to be the second person on the team. That's awesome. And I'm so made up for Vic. I I believe he was, in fact, the best player on the team at last year's WTC. So, I, for, awesome, awesome for Vic. Really made up about it. Thank you very much, guys. Well, on that note, welcome. I think we're going to let you escape because we've been chewing your ear off for about three hours. So thank you so much for giving us your time, though. Just to, I think just to get, get an idea of what it's like to play at that kind of event because it is that's my kind of dream. Whether I'll get to get to win a golden ticket and go with work and life and everything around it is it, a separate matter. But um, yeah. I'd love to, and I, I just love hearing you talk about it. And I could hear the excitement, and the energy every time you talk about every game. It is an absolute thrill to have you on, dude. Right, everybody, take care. We shall be back uh, very soon with some feedback on the upcoming Leicester G team, which Chris is going to be running an exciting fluffy army of. I'm running Necrons. Well, what what should be Necrons? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm running uh, Grey Knights because uh, I feel like, you know, we've done the Death Guard. We're just trying out little sort of under, underrepresented factions. And then uh, he's going to be running that into the John Lennon-style Space Marine <laughs> Vanguard slash Accursed Cultist meta. Manny, are you attending Leicester? No, I am not attending Leicester, actually. It's my birthday, so I'm just, uh, you know, decided to spend it with my family this year instead. Oh, world champion doesn't think he has to play any more 40k now. He's got his golden <laughs> ticket. He's just going to retire. I see how it is. Well, then, Chris, we look forward to hearing about that and everybody else yeah, we will speak to you all soon. Ooh, can I can I be really cheeky here, guys, at the end and do a, do a shout-out for Glasshammer, if that's okay? Absolutely. So, guys, it, it, it's been in the works for a while and, you know, I've been doing a lot less content and it's because I've got some really, really big news and you're hearing it here first. You're actually hearing it here first, right now. Exclusive. There is going to be a 300-man Glasshammer GT, whoop, whoop. and it is confirmed as June the 29th and 30th of 2024. So the final weekend in June 2024 will be the first Glasshammer GT. It is the Glasshammer GT Birmingham. I can tell you that. So very, very accessible to everyone. And it's going to be a 300-man event using Glasshammer terrain and Glasshammer mission pack. But the 20 nil scoring system from WTC with the WTC FAQ. Wow. Amazing. That wow. is massive for us yeah. in the UK, yeah. our total community. Thank you yeah, so much so, for sharing that with us. Yeah. That, that is an absolutely massive event. The fact it's on my wedding anniversary weekend brings me great, <laughs> great <laughs> heartbreak. Well. I, sh I shall already have to start laying the groundwork to get out of there. Anything for yeah, that? Yeah, I think, I think Birmingham, <laughs> Birmingham's a lovely place to go for an anniversary, mate. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, take the misses to a 40k tournament. But it's, it's Glasshammer's first WTC one. That's exciting. So, uh, what, you know what? We said we're goodbyes as well, but I've got to ask you, what made you go WTC terrain in, in format? What took you down that route? Just something a little bit different. So it, it's Glasshammer Terrain, 
which of course is heavy like the WTC but you know it's our own terrain set so we wanted to use that um but we think that you know the WTC scoring system has some merits to it now no scoring system is perfect of course um but the WTC one I think it gets around a few of the issues with the you know the regular scoring out of 100 system mm -hmm. because it's not just about maxing your own points it's about maxing your own points while also trying to deny your opponent so it forces you to engage with your opponent there's we think that there's quite a lot of armies right now that can just go i'm going to score 100 but not really interact with you so much so is it um, not going to be win loss and money is it going to be like, yes it will be it's going to be so... win loss and then points as the second tiebreaker Okay, cool. That's yeah, massive, so, isn't it? So, so yeah, because yeah. currently in singles, you win a game by a point. Oh, that's it. I got the win. You got the loss. It's the big, I push on, you fall down. WTC makes that, oh, it's a 10-10, it's a draw. It's an 11-9. Yeah. You might get yeah. the win, but you're getting 11 points and somebody could be on, how many, I mean, 300 man, is that going to be six, seven games? Seven games? Um, six rounds. It'll be so six, six rounds. Six ra somebody because... sitting on 120 and you get your average of 60 because you just edged people. There'll be a lot of draws as well, I imagine, yeah. in this, so I don't think you need as many rounds. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting, actually, because we've decided to slide the scale down five points to avoid the masses of draws that you might get. So it's going to be WTC's 20-0 scoring system, but only a dead-on will be a draw. So winning by 1-5 to five is 11-9, then 6-10 to 10 is 12-8, and so on. So instead of having to win by 51 to get a 20-0, you have to win by 46 to get a 20-0. Well, that's because be otherwise we think that's, that'll be that's interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's quite interesting, right? Something a bit different. And we thought, you know, different is cool. And also it's WTC. So, you know, hopefully, you know, the European uh, crowd that gets a lot more practice with WTC FAQ and mm. WTC scoring, hopefully a few of them will come over. And also it gives, you know, you know I think the English team here is there's so much competition for it. And I think a few more events doing WTC style scoring and FAQ might help more people in the community want to apply for England in future. And if we can help that with an event, that'd be really cool. That is fantastic news. Well, that one is definitely question. the point. To, that was, I was going to say that's the point to end on, but a few no, but one last question. Will there be a golden ticket money? Oh, will, will there, there be, be a golden ticket? Now, we need, well, to, we need to arrange that. We're hoping for it. So I think we will apply. We will be applying. And uh, just fingers crossed we get one because that would be incredible. And yeah, then awesome. Manny's going to play in his event, win the golden ticket, and then just keep it. <laughs> so he's got two. <laughs> no, see, that's another, you know, selling point of the event. If you want to go to a tournament and not have to play me, that's the one <laughs> And on that note, we're calling the podcast. That's it. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for your time. That's been really awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Mate, congratulations. And guys, thank you for joining us again. Thanks again to Chris for joining us. You're welcome. Uh, no snoring dogs this evening. And we no. shall catch you very soon. So at the end of another successful episode, the only thing left to say is if you guys could uh, hit the like button and even hit the subscribe button for us, that would really help us to grow on YouTube. Um, you can find out more about Team England through our Facebook link below and our Discord. Feel free to join and get involved there. Uh, if you do want to even support the team even further than that, you can find us over on Patreon as well. Uh, and this podcast is available via Spotify and all good podcasting services. Until next time. <laughs>